Hey, uh, this morning, Jacob read earlier a scripture to us, which was a historical account from John's Gospel of, um, of particular note of Mary's experience on the morning of the, of the resurrection, where she went to the tomb and discovered that Jesus was no longer there. And, uh, you know, when, on first reading, many of us might read a scripture like that and consider it like a fable or a story or a, an epic of Disney or something like that. Unfortunately, we've, we get trained to read, read supernatural and historical accounts with great suspicion. But today we celebrate the reality that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. And as a result of that, we have to figure out what we're going to do with him. We, have, we actually have to figure out what are we going to do with this person who if history tells us is right, and if church history, the accounts and the testimonies of church history tell us is right, and even some of the people in this room that you're sitting among have had personal encounters with Jesus Christ, then we have to figure out what we're going to do with him. We're, and, um, and hopefully by the end of the, our time together this morning, you will have figured out what you want to do with Jesus Christ, the one who came, born of a virgin, lived, ministered, brought the kingdom of God on earth, took on death, went to the cross, went to the grave, robbed. You've got to understand, Jesus Jesus robbed death of its power in rising again. He went to the place of the dead. He took on death. He took on that which has this sense of finality about it. And Jesus went there and he robbed the grave and death of its ultimate power. And he asserted his authority over death. By rising again. And so now, if, if, this is, if this is the case, if Jesus has risen from the dead, then we can no longer just push him to the side and make him an, an accessory to what we think life is about. In fact, what Jesus does by rising from the dead is he redefines for all of us, what life really is in all of its fullness. Now, I, I, you know, I've grown up in Australia as a kid and, you know, life was, is, has very much been all about, you know, you, you find yourself a, some job security and you build for yourself a bit of an income base and you hopefully maybe one day own a house and and, 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 and you might, might have some family, and, and, and that's life. And um, there's this Australian way, it's been, it's been a saying that's been tattooed on a number of famous athletes, but it's, and, and the tattoo is, such is life. You may have seen that on Ben Cousins, the former, you know, um, AFL player from the West who now finds his life a complete mess and very broken man. But he lived, he lives with this tattoo on him that says such is life 
And basically what that is, it's an Australian bit of language that just says, look, don't ever expect anything other than this is just, you're just going to get what gets served up and more often than not, it will be second best and such is life. And that's an Australian cultural way of thinking where we will and have adopted this way of, well, this is as good as it gets. Well, in the resurrection of Jesus, he pokes at that and he says, well, actually, that's not life at all. There is a new life to be discovered. There is a new way to live. And when anything in the spirit or in, in culture or time comes, comes to you and says, well, this is it. This is as good as it gets. Such is life. That's just the hand you've been dealt. We can now, in Jesus Christ, say, well, that's just a load of hogwash. That's just a load of rubbish because Jesus actually rose from the dead. And so now life has a complete new definition. Now, Mary, if you listen to what the scriptures said when Jacob read the scriptures, when Mary went to the tomb that day, she went there with a great sense of bereavement and grief. It says she wept outside the tomb. She was lost the hope of a better future that Jesus had offered and spoken about, she wept because there was a sense of loss and bereavement. Have you ever lost hope in a dream that you felt was from God? Have you ever felt the loss of a relationship that you thought would last forever and yet it hasn't? Have you ever had those moments of walking around with that sense of bereavement and grief that's left you wondering... Is this all there really is to life? Because such is life. Well, if that's where we're living, I would want to say we're actually living under the oppressive work of an evil king. And in fact, Jesus has come to bring us out from underneath that king and into his kingdom, where there is a new life for every single one of us, defined by his hope. Now, Mary like some of us in this room, have had a long history with Jesus. Some of us may have only had a short history with Jesus. And some of us may even be bereaved and grieving over some of the dreams that you thought Jesus put into your heart and your head in regards to your own personal life, in regards to perhaps a marriage, in regards to perhaps a, a sense of prophetic future and fulfillment that his spirit whispered to you one night in a dream or someone spoke over you through the words of the Holy Spirit. And you may have found yourself like Mary wandering around with this sense of heartache and heartbreak. Well, I want to let you know today that as we remember and encounter the risen Jesus, our heart can take comfort in the fact that Jesus has rolled back the stone. He has turned back the work of the enemy on itself so that he would make everything new for you, for me, and for our world. The furious love of God in the resurrection of Jesus has broken the power of walking about lost. It's broken the power of walking around in permanent grief and loss. And it has established once and for all hope and life and purpose 
for every single person and even for God's good creation itself. There is hope forevermore in the resurrection of Jesus. All those lost dreams, all of those things that you'd hoped for your children over the years that maybe or your grandchildren and you see them choosing a, a different future, all of those dreams where you've wondered and felt lost and bereaved and grieved, all of those prophetic dreams that your children have had and yet are struggling to understand what that means for their life as young people and university students and becoming parents and family, all of those things, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead to redefine those things and bring authority and power to them. All of them. And if we dare to actually let our heart be grafted into the work of Christ, it will reorientate our whole life completely. Not some of our life, our whole life. For many of you in this room, you have made public declarations of your love for Christ. And you've done that in baptism. You've entered into the waters of baptism where you have, by faith, you have grafted yourself into the death of Jesus. And by faith, when you came up out of the water in the power of the Holy Spirit, you grafted yourself into a whole new life. Jesus wants you to know. He wants you to know your confession of faith in him in that moment is good. Now, the enemy has tried to, you know, come against and rob and steal and destroy, and that's what he does. He wants to pacify the people of Jesus who've made that good confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. We find ourselves in this great tussle today, but in the midst of this great tussle, like Mary, at the, at the gravesite, going there in grief and bereavement, discovering that, in fact, Jesus has rolled back the stone. He has pushed back the work of the enemy and not just pushed it back. He has robbed it of all power. And he now comes to Mary and Mary's whole life is completely revolutionized with these words. This is the confession of her in that moment. She says, I saw Jesus. Every, that was the confession of a life transformed. When was the last time you saw Jesus? The stone's been rolled away. Mary in the garden, around this empty tomb, she experienced one word. One word. And Scott picked up on it as he was praying before, when he was leading us in a time of prayer. She heard one word from the risen Christ. And that's all it took. Just one word. Just one word. And it's interesting that it wasn't, oh, sinner, repent. It wasn't, oh, devastated woman, where is your righteousness before me? It was a woman found in grief and bereavement and brokenness and the hope that she felt was lost. And God in Christ comes to her and says one word. He says, Mary. He calls her name. Of all of the things that God would call to you and to me today, today, as we ponder and encounter the risen Jesus, he's calling you and me by our name. By our name. I will never, ever forget. It's why I am where I am today. Because way back when, when I was caught in all of my unrighteousness and sin and junk, and all of the, the choices of 
you know, both actively engaging with just the carnality of my humanity. In the midst of that, as I'm riding home one night, doing my best to run from God, God says one thing to me, Kirk. That haunted me then for the next hour as I went home. It haunted me all night to the next day. It haunted me enough, this, this voice of God calling my name. It had such a compelling love and furiousness and wildness to it that said, as he was calling my name, it was calling me out of the life that I thought I would craft for myself and called me into a whole new way of living. I'll never forget that night. It changed me forever. I'll never forget just this last week when I was out doing my morning walk and run and trying to somehow keep myself fit and healthy and and not doing a really good job of it along the way, but liking to kid myself. Anyway, I was out there running and jogging and I had all of this stuff, just the anxieties of my daily responsibilities in life, banking up on me. And it, it was a mountain of stuff. And the stuff was wanting to tell me that I could fix it. And it's beyond my capacity. It's beyond me to fix. And as I'm running on this little footpath early in the morning, because I'm still suffering jet lag and waking up at 3.30am in the morning, and what do you do around then? Well, let's go for a run. But as I'm doing that run, and I'm listing before God, I'm like, God, don't you know? Don't you know, God, I've got all of these things that I'm having to contend with, all of these things I'm having to, people are seeking an answer and wisdom from, from me. God! And what do I hear God say to me? The very first things that peels from his lips to me. Kirk. And as he calls my name, it's like the, it's like the peace of heaven. It's like the the Holy Spirit, the kindness of God just reaches through all of the stuff of this world, all of the anxiety of this world, all of the things that seek to trouble and rob and hold me under. And it's like Jesus, like it's like a breath of air. <gasps> when he just says my name. The first thing Jesus did when he encountered with Mary was he called her. By name, he's calling you. God's calling every single one of you. God's calling all of our families, our relatives, our extended families. He's calling our city by name. And the beauty of this name, Pine Rivers, Morton Bay, that is a beautiful name on the lips of God. He's calling and he's asking for a people to turn their hearts to him. Have you ever heard Jesus call your name? Have you ever in the midst of the night where the darkness has been close, just had that slight whisper of Jesus letting you know that he's there and it brings peace and resolve that, yes, I will make it through to the morning when he just whispers your name? I'll also never forget the great high point that it was when I first met Nicole and then at the midst of that, 
as I'm washing my car and talking to my dad and trying to figure out with God this thing that was going on inside my heart. When I saw Nicole, it was like, oh, what do I do with this woman? She's capturing my heart and I'm going with it. And as I gave myself to it, I was like, Lord, Lord, you need to speak to me because this woman's capturing my heart. And he just says to me, Kirk. And as he spoke with me and engaged with me in that, just the simplicity of that calling me by name, I got the affirmation of his kindness for us to form a future together in him. God loves to speak our name. Even when we're in rebellion, even when we're like Mary, caught in our despondency and our bereavements and our grief, even when we're angry in sin, even when we feel guilt because of what we've projected onto others and what others have projected onto us, all of that gets confronted when the risen Jesus simply calls us by name. Jesus is calling you by name. He's calling every single one of us. The stone was rolled away. The furious love of God is removing everything that stops people from hearing his name, him call you by name. You've been made to hear him. And it's interesting that in the hearing of her name, the words that Mary says is, I have seen him. With the hearing comes a revelation and an encounter. You will see God. The confession of someone who's heard, his, heard him call their name is an encounter that says, I have seen Jesus. Anxiety and fear. The other week, Nicole and I, when we were flying, we have to go, when we go to Europe, we have to go through Dubai because that's the way the airline goes. And then when you get to Dubai, you have to take this narrow sort of pathway of international airspace that goes from Dubai up into Europe. And you sort of fly from Dubai, you kind of go a little east over Iran, and then you go over the top of Mosul on Iraq, and then you go across into Europe. And it's usually, that little stretch is usually about a three-hour stretch. And in the midst of that stretch, I always watch the little aeroplane on the, on the map chugging along. We've gone so many hours, we've got so many to go, and all of that sort of stuff. But it's always just in that little stretch of international airspace that's set, set apart for safe travel. It's, it's set apart, there's no war, it's not meant to be any war or anything, but right around the edges of it. It's crazy. It's crazy what's going on right around the edges of it. And so for that few little hours while I'm sitting in that tin can flying at 900 kilometres an hour at 40,000 feet in the sky, in the best of human wisdom that got us there, I'm also experiencing, oh, God, just, just get us through this bit, please. It's, and I just have to acknowledge that anxiety and that fear. And it's in the midst of that as I do that, that pit of the stomach kind of anxiousness, that pit of the stomach that sort of where, that stirs your mind and it's like, oh God, I really need you to be God right now because I, I can't be. You know those moments? I think you do. It's in those moments that he, and even as I was sitting in that tin can above the earth, he speaks my name and then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding fills my body, fills my mind, fills my heart with a sense of this is okay, Jesus is Lord. 
The stone's been rolled away. The furious love of God breaks into our anxiety and fear. Because in, a little bit further on in that account, in, in John chapter 20, the disciples were locked up for fear. They were locked up in a room for fear that they, they, it was going to be their turn next. What they did to Jesus, they would do to him. Uh, what they did to Jesus, they would do to all of them. And they were locked up in this little room for fear. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus came, the resurrected Jesus came and stood right in the midst of their anxiety and their fear and their inability to control circumstance and powers. And right there, Jesus says this to them. Peace. And then he breathes on them. And he says, receive my spirit. Receive my spirit. And then he says... Go, I'm sending you. (laughs) First bit I'm okay with. Second bit I'm a little bit like, ah, yeah, that's why I need your spirit. Go, I'm sending you. You see, the peace of God is deeply grafted and the authority of Christ in our most anxious moments, be it our personal anxieties, be it our cultural anxieties, be it our national anxieties or our global ones. doesn't matter what they are, whether they're demonically fueled or whatever. Those anxiety bases, Jesus breaks the power of them. The risen Jesus, when he speaks peace, and with the peace is attached a commission. The peace will lead you out of the room. The peace will lead you out of the anxiety. The peace will give you the opportunity to say, I no longer choose to hold on to that. I choose to now give myself over to the fact that Jesus is Lord, even when I'm sitting in a tin can at 900 metres, at 900 kilometres an hour, at 600, however many feet. Even then, Jesus is Lord. Jesus brings peace to them. He brings joy to them. He brings a gladness of heart and mind right into the centre of all that we think we should be anxious about. Jesus brings perspective. Risen Jesus. Crucified, died and risen Jesus brings perspective. It's the callings of Jesus. It's the purposes of Jesus. It's the cause of Jesus that reorientates our whole life to joy and purposeful living. Today, let me reassure you that God has a great plan for you. God has a great plan for us. God has an incredible kingdom agenda for our city and our region and our nation. That as we partner with Jesus... As we allow the risen king to step into the middle and breathe his spirit upon us, that as he does that, that we would be ushered, we would be ushered out of our anxieties and into the world. And we would live in freedom and we would live with authority and we would live with perspective and we would live with purpose. The very things that are such is life, cultural attitude will never give us. It will never give us. Receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus said. Receive the Holy Spirit. And the last guy, I I, I don't really have time to dig into him today, but the last guy there is, is Thomas. And Jesus speaks to Thomas. Thomas says, yeah, I've, I, I won't believe you guys unless I see Jesus. <laughs> unless I get to put my hands in the, in the holes of where he was crucified. I won't believe. And Jesus 
even there, in the most ardent resistance of intellectual doubt and rejection of the risenness of Jesus. Even there, Jesus steps into that and reveals himself. And what does he say to Thomas? He says, Thomas, two things. First, stop doubting me. And the second, believe me. Stop doubting was the first action that Thomas had to bring to the encounter with Jesus or from encountering Jesus. And the second action was, now I will believe Jesus. Jesus loves, and, and the, writer to the, uh, the, the writer to the Hebrew says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's looking for a people who would just believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And I think there's enough of an equity in this room there is enough of an equity of, of personal experience and corporate gathered experience where we have seen Jesus among us. There are enough healed bodies. There are enough people in here with, with mental health issues that have been touched and healed. There's, been a, there's enough relationships in here that have been financed by the kingdom of God. There is enough of the story of God in this very room for us to be able to say, in fact, that is right. Let's stop this doubting. Let's t- let, like King David said, he spoke to his own soul and said, why are you so downcast? Stop it. This is on our end, not God's. The stopping the doubting is not God's job. He has demonstrated himself in the resurrection of Christ. So stop doubting, Thomas. Kirk, stop doubting and start believing me. It's an act of the will. It's a giving over. It's an act of, yes, you are who you say you are, God. I have seen you enough. We have seen you enough to know that you are God. There is a kingdom future for us. And one of the signs that Jesus is alive in a group of people is that they live with power beyond doubt. We don't ignore it, but we conquer it every time it rises its head. We choose to go through it because that's what Jesus does. He goes through it and brings resurrection life. We take the doubt on. We acknowledge the doubt. We bring it before the Father and we say, Lord Jesus, come and step into this right now. Be king and take me on into your kingdom purpose and place. Stop doubting and believe. The joy of the Christian life is one that we live by faith. We believe in Jesus. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because he is calling us to trust him, to trust that his death and resurrection was enough and to trust the basis of the historical testimony of those who were there and to trust the equity of the relationship of his kingdom among us to realise that God has robbed death. Death no longer holds us. Death is not the end of the story. The powers of hell and the demonic are not the end of the story, but that God has and is and will restore all things in and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth, all things come together in Christ, as Paul writes to us in Philippians. This is an all-consuming cosmic reality, and we need to learn to live in that because the stone's been rolled away Our lives now, our cities, our families, 
the stone's been rolled away and we can stop being a lost people and we can start being a found people. We can stop being a hopeless people and we can start speaking into the hopelessness of our world and the infrastructure of demons and say the seed of God's heart is here. His name is Jesus and he will turn that bereavement and that grease, that grief and that loss of hope and he will turn it for his kingdom glory. Stop doubting and believe. Trust that the breath of the Spirit of God that is upon us is enough. Jesus is breaking people loose from anxiety. Jesus is breaking people from fear. He's restoring peace and purpose and filling us again with His Spirit. And Jesus is calling us by name, saying, come with me, follow me, live it my way. Jesus is Lord. The stone is rolled away. The furious love of God has come to bring us into the promise of the resurrected life. So let's live it. Let's just live it. With the help of the Holy Spirit, let's just say, yes, Lord. Let's no longer let our our anxieties and our phobias and our fears and all of that rubbish that the devil wants to hold us under. And let's trust that Jesus did rob the enemy of that power and break its neck so that we could have life forevermore. Let me finish with this, Romans 5.17. I met someone yesterday in the, in the shopping mall and as we were going along, they said they had this great revelation as they read this scripture that, yesterday morning. And it was Romans 5.17 and it was from the verse out of the message. And it says this, If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man, Jesus Christ, provides. Romans 5.17. Etch that one on your skin. Romans 5.17. Shane, do you want to come on up here, mate? I just want to... um, I want to, it's a big day for Shane and Hannah and their family. And I just wanted to ask Shane a few questions and give him the opportunity just to tell a little bit of his story of Jesus. So I'm just going to quickly, here we go, find, <laughs> find what I said I was going to ask you. Okay, so Shane, um, where, where and how did you first hear about Jesus? Um, that's sort of a long story of, I guess, progressive revelation. Um, I guess like most of us, most of us, um, we usually hear about Jesus from the nativity story at Christmas and things like that, but we don't quite grasp the message of it. And then uh, through my life, I've had a lot of ups and downs and uh, a journey, I guess, and um, then after that sort of young primary school age, you know, high school, went to things like youth group, and that expanded my knowledge and continued to grow. And but then, yeah, most of it has been quite recently when I've fully understood the, the spiritual power of Jesus, and um, yeah, just. It's just not something you can just be told once and understand. You've got to live it and just grow with it, really. And yeah. So Shane, um, 
so what was going on around your life more recently? What were some of the things going on? How would you describe your life when you've come into this all of a sudden a greater revelation of Jesus? What, what, what was going on for you in your, your daily life in relationships? What did that look like? Well, it's... Uh I went through a really, really tough time. I, um, I guess sometimes you know you've really got to hit rock bottom beyond everything to fully start looking and understanding. And um, you know I was in a bit of trouble with the the law, and um, you know was about to lose everything. And I had Shiloh on the way, and. Um, I had to make some changes and really just ask for help. And um, Jesus just said yes. <laughs> like, um, and it, you know, it was a journey. And I, um, it, it wasn't easy to ask. And I went through a lot of different routes and talked to a lot of different people and. I'm just really thankful that I've got a, a very big, loving family that I'm now a part of, and especially Liz. Um, she's walked me through and helped me understand um, Jesus a lot, and I'm just so thankful for that. Thanks, Shane. And um, now, mate, since, since this season where you've now come into a, a greater sort of comprehension of Jesus, as that's getting bigger and more dynamic for you, how's that playing out in your everyday life? What's that looking like for you? What's going on around you? What's going on in you? Can you just describe a little bit around that for us? I'll try. Um, yeah, well, just it's changing my perceptions of right and wrong more to being forgiveness and compassion um like not saying i'm complete yet but um definitely i'm finding it a lot easier to not paint things black and white and just um not take offense to things as much and things like that and it's a very internal change that doesn't happen overnight and um but it's just so good like there's nothing you can um <laughs> describe it with um until you experience experience it for yourself and um i'm just so thankful that um jesus still holds his hand out to me like every day even when i make a mistake and i um no matter what, I can just ask for help and, um, yeah, and help me to help touch other people with um, his love. And, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Shane. One last question, Shane. Um, for people sitting in this room right now or people who aren't sitting in this room, if there was if there was something that you would want them to know about Jesus um, and that they would take away from this moment about who you've discovered in the person of Jesus, what, 
what would you what would you offer them? What would you say to them? Um, just follow your own journey. Um, the questions and the answers are right there in front of you, and for me, they've always been there. But it's just being able to understand them and actually listen to them. Like um, I've had many close calls on my life and there's nothing you can say that I could sort of put apart from it's a divine intervention like for one example I was driving in a storm and some a friend had actually his mother was really into the spiritual but not I'm not sure if it's so much Christian spiritual but um, she talked to me about Archangel Michael and um, how he's sort of a protector, a guardian angel, sort of like a policeman. And I was driving in the storm back from Sydney to Gold Coast and it was getting pretty, it was pretty scary. Like it was, yeah, 200 kilometer winds or something. And um, I actually just, at one point, just was talking to him. Well, I thought, you know, I'll just try praying to him. And um, anyway, my, I, crashed my car, spun, 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 crashed off the road, boom. And I thought that was it. Anyway, my car still worked, so I started driving off again. And um, <laughs> anyway, I don't know how far I got, but then it happened again, the exact same thing, but this time my car just wouldn't start. It was like, no, you're not going any further. Like, stop this. Um, and yeah, and sort of that was like a wow moment and actually in Sydney um, I hope Hannah doesn't mind the story but Hannah and I had a pretty massive fight one day and I was storming off to work and you know there was swearing and stuff involved and um, I walked out the door and a man was just standing there with a book and at this point I'm sort of searching for Jesus and we're going to a local church and I'm questioning things and that and um, I think this was before Vineyard here, and anyway, he just, and I thought, oh no, he's this big moldy boy, and I was like, what's going on here, is he a cop or something, and um, you know, he goes, hey, can I come over here, bro, I just want to talk to you for a bit, and I was like, oh, okay, like, sure, what do you got, and he goes, um, I got this book here, and I'd just like you to read a passage out of it, and he just opens the Bible and got me to read aloud uh, John 14, I think it was. Um, you know, my house has many rooms, and um, I don't know it off by heart. But and I'm just breaking down in tears. And he's like, "No, no, carry on, carry on, read through it." And um, I don't even know who this guy is. Um, he called himself Brother T, um, and I'm so thankful for him in that moment because it was just nothing but divine. I've never seen him since. Of you know, you never know when you'll be dining with angels, so um, I thank the Lord for that. And yeah. Thanks, Shane. It sounds like, um, you know, in the storytelling of your life, I'm, I'm really hearing an invitation from God into this fact that he's got this great big plan for us and he's reaching towards us in the good stuff and the hard stuff and making himself known to us as we're just acknowledging our need and saying help. And um, I just want to say 
Thank you for um, sharing your story this morning. Thank you for sharing your encounter with Jesus. And um, could I get you to maybe, um, I didn't ask you this in preparation, but could I get you to maybe pray for us? Just that God would, um, would just pray, I, I don't want to script it too much, but would you just pray for us about having an encounter with Jesus, just like you've been having over the years? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for everything you do for us in every moment and every day. And thank you for these opportunities that you open up to every single one of us. And I just ask, in the presence of all of these wonderful people in the presence of this wonderful church and our wonderful families, extended families, church families, that you just bless us all to encounter you, Lord, just everywhere we go, in the supermarket and on the road, every opportunity that you just show us that it's the opportunity to know you and to to bless us, but also to bless others. And we just thank you that you can allow us to honor you in this way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good praying. Thanks, mate. Hey, would you thank Shane for sharing? Thanks, mate. Let's finish this morning with this simple invitation. Jesus steps in and breathes, and he says, receive the Spirit, the Spirit of God. I, I just That was all the Lord gave me as I was preparing for today. Receive my Spirit, Kirk. Receive my Spirit. If you would like to receive the Holy Spirit, could you just stand where you are right now? Just and, and let the revelation of Jesus, as, as Shane has prayed, just a particular filling of the Holy Spirit. So right now, what we have to probably do for some of us is arrest the doubt and choose to believe in this space. Just arrest the doubt and choose to believe. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here among us today. I thank you that you make Jesus really big to our heart you make Jesus very alive to our mind and to our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you, you bring the peace. You bring the authority. You bring the power of the kingdom. You bring the Lordship of Jesus to us. So, Holy Spirit, come now and fill, fill our friends, fill our family that's standing right now. For those of you who are standing right now, could, I might just ask you just to put, put, put your hands out in front of you, just, just to gently posture your body to say, God, I'm really open and I'm just asking, would you come and fill me? I'm humbling myself here. Please fill me. Please fill me. And in the name of Jesus, well, the doubt, the grief, the bereavement, the anxiety, the fear, be quiet now in Jesus' name. And let faith rise. Let joy come to your hearts. 
and let your lives be filled with purpose again. My life has significance because Jesus has risen from the dead. Burn that into our hearts right now, Holy Spirit. Burn it in there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just going to ask those that are nearby, those that are standing. So the people that are sitting, but just near those that are standing, can you just reach towards them and bless what the Holy Spirit is doing in them right now? So some of you may need to just sort of get up and move a little bit. But if you could just gather around those that are standing and just place your hands on them and say, God, we bless what you're doing. Just place your hands on their shoulders or their arms, but just and say, Holy Spirit, fill them now. Fill them. Fill them with the peace of God. Fill them with the commissioning power of God for a purposeful life, a joyful life. Be filled. Be filled. Receive the Holy Spirit. Be filled and receive the Holy Spirit. And for those of us today that are in this room and all of a sudden our hearts are saying, I, I want Jesus to be my Lord. We welcome you, Lord Jesus. Come be our King. Show us the better way, the way of the kingdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Be filled now. Be filled. And with that filling... I pray for a release of the gifts of the Spirit. All of your gifts, Holy Spirit. That's it. Holy, let the power of the kingdom come upon you now. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let the power of the kingdom come upon you now. All those gifts of the Spirit. We pray for a fresh release. That's it, Holy. Just let the power of God fall upon you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. All of the gifts. Jude, just receive more. There's more there for you. Let the power of the Spirit fill you, Jude. Let the power of the Spirit fill you, Jude. And, 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 and the, 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 there's, a, there's a gentleman just off to my right here with a sort of a white beard, short beard on, on your chin there. Sean, you're praying for the, my friend there. There's a sincerity of heart that the, that the Lord says to you, my friend. The Lord says, I see the sincerity and the earnestness of your heart and as you've pursued me, and I'm here to lead you now. Fear, fear not anymore, I'm leading you now. My, this, this sense of my spirit that is on you right now, he's saying, you will have that all, my, all your days. That is my promised Holy Spirit upon you. You can count on me to be true, says the Lord. I'm leading you. I'm leading you. The Lord says, I'm leading you. God bless you, my friend. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Now, we're just going to, um, just uh, you guys that are laying hands on, just, pro- just let the spirit inform you a little bit just to pray and prophesy and speak the heart of God to those that you're praying for. Just do that. Let's just do that for a few minutes. And as we're doing that, uh, we might just... um, I'm going to have the guys just... Neil's just going to... Oh, who's... Oh. (laughs) Actually, we might just... (laughs) Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, I was just, I just said we'll do that official thing. Hey, we're just going to bless you to enjoy each other's company and enjoy the food, <laughs> enjoy the barbecue that's up the back and the chocolate eggs. Ash is just putting on a bit of background music. But we bless you in the name of the risen Jesus. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful day.
in all that God has won for you and for us and for our nation in the Lordship of Jesus. God bless you. And please feel free to come along tonight at 6 o'clock. The party continues. Lives will be healed. People will be set free. And Jesus is Lord. Come and join us at 6 o'clock tonight. See you then.